Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The Collab. We are a collective of brand professionals sharing our career stories. Every week, we pair up two members and they interview each other, so you'll get to hear one episode this week and one next week. We're heading into our third year of The Collab, and you can join us too. Sign up at jointhecollab.com and then tell your story. Hi, everyone. I'm Allison Henry-Aver, and I'm pleased to introduce to you Catherine Shaw the co-founder and CEO of Spring and Mulberry, a food meets wellness brand exploring a world of sweet beyond sugar. Catherine and her co-founder launched Spring and Mulberry this March with their debut product line, date sweetened chocolate and five stellar flavors, all with zero grams added sugar. However, prior to launching Spring and Mulberry, Catherine gained experience with an in-house for some major brands such as Unilever, LVMH, and Pantone after getting an MBA at Harvard Business School. Full disclosure, Catherine is my client. She hired my agency, Letter A, to bring Spring and Mulberry to life over the past year. And we've been working very closely. We both share a passion for branding and storytelling and hope you enjoy hearing founder career stories from both an agency and client perspective. Let's meet Catherine. Thanks for having me. So good to see your face again. Let's start from the beginning. Tell me where you're from. Where are you based now? And... What'd you want to be when you grew up? I'm originally from the Midwest, Ann Arbor, Michigan, like you, just a few hours north of Ohio. And I'm now based in Raleigh, North Carolina, where we launched Spring and Mulberry. What did I want to be when I grew up? It changed all the time from like serial killer investigator to fashion designer, but probably fashion designer was the one that I liked the most for the longest. I can kind of see how that correlates with your current situation. We'd love to start at the beginning here. Tell me your background, like your education, where you got your start and how that parlayed into your first job. I grew up in Ann Arbor and I went to the University of Michigan, go blue, big football fan. And then after college, moved to New York where I worked in economics. My major in college was economics. And then I worked in a funky type of consulting called economic consulting. And really my passion was to go work in international development. I thought I would work at the UN or go live in Africa. I spent some time in Ghana and I actually traveled on semester at sea during college to 13 different countries, mostly in the developed world. So I, I wanted to do macroeconomics. And so my first job was at an economic consulting firm, far from brand management and marketing. So how did a girl growing up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, who wants to be a fashion designer, get into economics and then brand management and maybe explain also what brand management is. So brand management is really the the business or the job of managing a brand. So all the brands that are famous in the world, whether it's Coca-Cola or Tiffany's or UPS, or like me, I worked at Unilever on Dove and Axe, LVMH, Moet Hennessy, Louis Vuitton on their champagne portfolio. And then at Pantone, all of these companies have roles called brand management, where you're really responsible for managing the business of the brand. And what's so fun about that job is that you have the opportunity to really work on the business side, whether that's like budgeting and planning, figuring out ways to hit your forecast, but you're also working on the creative aspects of the business with agencies like yours, developing ad campaigns, hosting events, and really it's a job where you have like left brain, right brain working you know, simultaneously every day. So how did I go from fashion design to economics to 
brand management. I think I was just a kid who was curious and interested in a, a lot of different things, always trying to figure out like how the world works and going and being out in the world. Economics was really important to me because of that time I spent on semester at sea and my family are big travelers. We you know, traveled to many countries around the world. And I was just always curious about how do countries develop? How do countries succeed in moving out of poverty and uplifting you know, their citizens and their people? And so how I got into brand management actually was a little bit backwards. While I was in business school, as you mentioned, I went to Harvard. And, and so after I had worked in economic consulting, I went back to business school to do international development. And while I was in business school, Lauren Bush Lauren came to speak at school about her charitable startup, her charitable fashion startup called Feed Projects. And Feed Projects is a company that is sold at The Gap, at Bergdorf Goodman. They have partnerships with a lot of different retailers. And there's a metric-based donation built into the wholesale price of their goods. So if you buy, you know, a handbag for $50 from them, you know, some percentage of that retail cost will go directly to the UN World Food Program or other similar charities. And so I went to work for Lauren because I was so inspired by her story. I thought it was interesting, this conglomeration of fashion and international development. And what I found when I worked there is I just love brand management. I love building this business with her, figuring out what new products to launch, what charities could be the component of different products, how to build the partnerships with different retailers. And so I left that summer for my second year of business school, still wanting to be a part of purposeful and meaningful brands in the world, but actually doing the work of a brand manager rather than working in you know, microfinance or economics. When you work as a brand manager, it sounds like it's such a perfect role for someone who is, like you said, right brain, left brain user, where you get to touch all aspects of the consumer side, internal side. Is like, is that what you love about brands in your role as a brand manager? I think all brand managers realize at some point in their careers that they love creativity, but they're not the creative themselves. And so while I, you know, wanted to be a fashion designer, I wasn't actually like sketching all day, every day and, <laughs> you know, doing the things that you would do as a fashion designer. I was more thinking about like, how do you build a brand and how do you think about the business? And so I think that's what I love the most is that you're working with creatives all the time and you get to be creative even though you're not a person who can actually do the creative work of designing and really coming up with something, you know, from scratch or from your own inspiration. I realized I was more a person who I knew what I liked when I saw it, but I couldn't pick that up out of the blue. And so I like that brand management gave me access to the creative world. But at the same time, I, you know, I went to business school, I majored in economics, so I definitely have that other side of the brain. And so it allows you to really be in like the driver's seat of building a business, figuring out the strategies to reach your consumer, develop messages that resonate with that consumer and ultimately drive like sales or revenue. And what I learned during business school and, and in my internships was that brand management is unique to consumer products, to cars, to beauty products, to wine and spirits or packaged goods and grocery. It's really a unique job to those types of industries. Whereas if you work in fashion, that brand management job is actually split between a lot of different departments. And so you don't get 
to really sit as the driver. Because if you're doing marketing, you're really doing more like PR or advertising. If you're doing merchandising, you're assorting product and choosing what designs go in the store. And if you're the creative, you're developing the designs. Whereas in brand management, the brand manager is responsible for making those decisions with their agency partners across you know, a slew of different decisions. And, and that seemed more interesting to me. Thank you for explaining that because that's why I, I didn't know really how that role came to fruition in those spaces because in the places I've worked, it was separated by many roles. So thank you. So you've worked in all these mass, mass brands like Dove and Axe Hair Care. And then you went on to the luxury creative space with Vogue and Pantone. How does the role and your industry differ between like Part of the reason I worked at these different brands is because the marketing or brand management role is so different between them. I think that what the similarity is between all the brands before I get into the differences is really in any company that you work at or any brand that you work at, you need to figure out what is the company's DNA and you know what does it stand for and how does it express itself? And then you also need to figure out like, what is the problem it needs to solve? Like, what is the business problem it needs to solve? For example, a brand that used to be popular, that's now out of favor. The business problem to be solved is that it needs to become more relevant. So that was my experience on Ragu Pasta Sauce. The brand had this nostalgic cachet, but like was no longer relevant to modern day mothers who were our primary purchasers. You know, at Veuve Clicquot, it had a totally different problem, but the problem to be solved was to get younger people to drink champagne and also to get people to think about it outside of formal occasions like weddings and New Year's. So we thought about the brand in terms of drink champagne just because it's Tuesday. And then at Pantone, you know, that is a B2B company. We're selling to designers rather than to the end public. And so really that brand's challenge was to figure out how to be relevant to designers, how to communicate its value proposition to designers so that designers would use it in their workflow. And so that really the differences between the brand are the marketing channels that you use to meet consumers and tell that message. So when you're working in big brands and consumer products, whether that is, you know, toothpaste or shampoo or cereal boxes, if you're a product in a grocery store and you're working at a big company like a Unilever or a Campbell's or a Procter & Gamble, you're mainly doing television ads and digital ads, and you're trying to reach a really mass audience, and you're driving volume on price often, you know, through price promotions, BOGOs, those types of things. At a company like LVMH, they're not trying to reach the masses. They're trying to reach, you know, a smaller target, people with more money who are affluent, and they're trying to create experiences around the brand that create the desirability of the brand. So at Veuve Clicquot, we would, we would never have ads on TV. That wouldn't make sense economically for the business, but it also is too big of an audience to reach. And so it was more about events, winemaker tours, in-store you know, displays and signage and things that were more bespoke and curated. And then at Pantone, because we're trying to reach a B2B audience, business to business, we're trying to sell directly to designers. 
It was more about design trade shows, advertising and design publications, presenting about the brand to designers, running ads, targeting designers. But there, the you know probably the target consumer is the smallest of any group. And so you're really trying to reach only the design community and nobody else. I love how when you get into a luxury brand space, all of a sudden storytelling starts to become myth-making, starts to become part of the marketing expectation and events and getting people together. And it seems, I mean, it's obvious that you have a huge experience in brand and love the storytelling aspect of brands. Obviously, why we're here is at some point we decided to start a brand. It seemed like just even talking to you, it feels like it's like the next obvious step. But what inspired that journey to starting your own brand, Spring and Mulberry? I think it probably started when I was a child, all of my parents, and I say all of them because my parents were divorced and remarried. All of my parents were entrepreneurs in some way or another. And so I grew up in a household where people were willing to bet on themselves and take risks on themselves and were really more risk oriented, trying to kind of not win big, but trying to make something of themselves in the world rather than maybe like a more conservative approach, like staying at the same big company your whole life or something. So certainly that played a part for me. And then specifically Spring and Mulberry, this health meets wellness, you know, food meets wellness brand really came from like a very personal, a personal place, kind of two different disparate places that that came together. So the first is that my husband is Indian and we traveled a lot to the Middle East and India to visit family. And what's so interesting in the Middle East is that dates and dried fruits and nuts are really part of gift giving in a really beautiful way. People eat dates to break the fast at Ramadan. People bring over dried fruits and nuts as housewarming gifts. And so when we went there back in 2012, seeing whole pristine ingredients presented in a really lovely and elegant, elevated way was so different than the way that I saw dried fruits basically relegated to the back bin of natural grocery stores, dimly lit and looked like they were like left to shrivel and die. So I was working at Buffcle Co. at the time and I just parked that. I was like, this is so interesting. Like there's something here like to elevate, you know, the beauty and abundance of nature. And then in 2018, I unfortunately was diagnosed with a really aggressive form of breast cancer in my early 30s. It's a type of cancer that attacks women under 40. And through my cancer treatment, I tried to combine Eastern and Western philosophies on medicine. And what I learned is that there's some research that shows that refined sugar can lead to cancer tumor growth, that it feeds the cancer tumor. And also that eating foods really high in antioxidants like green tea, leafy greens, cacao, nuts, you know, fruits, and dates actually can help with the medical outcome of chemo treatment. And so at the time I became a vegan, I eliminated refined sugar from my diet and just tried to like find delicious ways to incorporate really healthy foods. But I still had a sweet tooth and was not eating ice cream and cake and pie. And that was the only thing that people were sending me, like, you know, gift baskets full of junk. And so I just started experimenting with dates and nuts and cacao at home, trying to create interesting desserts and found that you can really, there's like so much flavor to explore when you look beyond sugar. 
you know, the flavor of a date is very different than a fig, it's, which is different than a floral or a spice. And so it just started to become more than just a replacement for sugar. It was actually an exploration into a world of sweetness beyond it. It's amazing, everybody. I encourage you to check it out. I highly recommend the chocolate. As a brand manager of your own brand, how did you decide to work with an agency once you concepted the, the brand and started developing the product? Why did our agency in particular appeal to you? Well, I had the idea for Spring and Mulberry for a long time, and there were all these disparate pieces to it. You know, when you're developing a brand from scratch, you need to figure out what product you're going to sell, how you're going to package it, what price point you're going to sell it at, what channels you're going to sell it at. But you also need to create the whole world around it that makes people have an emotional tie to it. We had done a beta test last summer in our local market. And what I found was that I just was kind of getting to a place where I knew the kind of the world that I wanted to create, but I didn't know what messages to lean into. Should we talk about claims? Should we talk about dates? Should we talk about no sugar added? Should we lead with chocolate? Because our first product is date sweetened chocolate bars. So I don't want to be a chocolate company, but my first product is date sweetened chocolate. Yes, we are vegan and have no added sugar and we're gluten-free and, you know, all these other things. We're organic, but like that doesn't seem that interesting. And so sometimes as a founder, you're just too close to something and you kind of just get lost in the possibilities. And so, you know, Allison pinged us on a survey because she's good friends and former co-workers. You pinged us and said, let me help you. Oh yeah, I did that. And Sarah, my co-founder and I, remembered it. And we appreciated so much that Allison had worked with Sarah in the past at Bumble and Bumble. There was some familiarity there. But I think, you know, why I chose to work with an agency and Letter A specifically is I didn't need somebody to just like deliver me the project brief that I was outlining. I needed someone to take all of the ideas in my head and the stories that I was sharing about how I came to this and distill it in a really beautiful breakthrough and clever and interesting way. Thank God I found you, Allison, because <laughs> you really took it from like zero to a hundred. So all the cred goes to you. Well, there was a lot to work with. Your story is so authentic. The product is delicious and you're really doing something that has never been done before. One of us things that set you apart in the industry besides the chocolate itself being sweet, it's a really unique flavor is that there's these like really interesting and beautiful flavor combinations like mango and earth and chili to lavender and bee pollen where did these flavor combinations come from and how did you gain insight into making food and flavor as part of your role in starting this brand well, I guess I personally like love chocolate. And so when I quit refined sugar, I didn't have very many options to choose from. So I know I wanted to make a date sweetened chocolate. And ours is just cacao beans, cacao butter, and dates, just three ingredients. And so the question was, do we just launch with a bar or do we create flavors? And so many flavors in chocolate are the same between brands, right? You're probably going to get a brand that has a sea salt, maybe an almond, maybe a cacao nib. And like that didn't feel that interesting to me, right? Like there's already brands out there that do that. There's definitely going to be like a chocolate with mint. You can name, they're pretty standard. And so there was kind of two places. One, I just didn't want to do the same thing that everyone else did. 
Second, I wanted to explore this world of sweet beyond sugar, which is the messaging that you and I landed on. And what's interesting about the flavors that we have in the market now and the ones we're developing for the future is that they all hit on a different flavor of sweet or a depth of flavor. So, you know, the mango with urfa chili is really like a spicy, tangy chocolate. Our freeze-dried mixed berry is like fruity and summery. Our medjool date pecan and Himalayan salt is really your nostalgic classic chomp of fruit and nuts. And, you know, it's mostly most like a Snickers bar. And so each of them plays a role in exploring this world of sweet beyond sugar. Is it nutty? Is it fruity? Is it spicy? Is it floral and aromatic? How does it change the taste of the chocolate? How does it taste from bar to bar? And what is the experience that you feel in creating it just as the fruits and spices and ingredients that we use change by the season, right? Like it's late August right now. All I want is figs, peaches, and tomatoes, but like come, you know, all I want is asparagus and peas. And so, you know, playing on this kind of idea of like seasonality and and flavor that comes from the world and how many different flavors there are in the world. I mean, the story that you're building is Are you hungry? I just love that there's so much layers and depth and a world to explore. So now that you're managing your own brand, what's best for you in terms of all the things a brand should encompass, just product, but like where where do you see Spring and Mulberry going in the future? I mean, as a baby brand, we're, you know, four or five months old, there's, you know, the future is kind of unlimited. In the short term, we're preparing, gearing up for our first holiday season. Holiday season is chocolate season. Vast majority of chocolate is consumed between, you know, November and February. So that's going to be big for us, kind of ramping up awareness and sales during that time. We have our first collaborations with brands we've loved and admired for a long time coming up in the next six months. And then really over the long term, you know, what we see for the brand is we want to change America's perception of sugar and relationship to sugar. And the thing that I'm really passionate about, the thing that bugs me, a bee in my bonnet, the thing that bugs me is that there's 61 different types of sugar out there and the FDA allows packaged goods companies to name them individually in their ingredient panels so that they don't show up as the number one ingredient, which is sugar. And so that's why, in addition to being an addictive, tasty product, that's why Americans eat four times the daily guideline of sugar, which leads to all sorts of diseases from obesity to dementia, heart disease, and cancer. And so I hope that Sarah, my co-founder, and I, over the long run, can really change America's relationship with sugar by creating a really beautiful, delicious, and healthful brand, but also having the platform through hopefully our company's success to change some of these laws that are making Americans sick. And not making people feel bad about it, but rather finding positive in other flavors and the abundance of options out there. Kind of wrapping this up, where can we find Spring and Mulberry and taste it for ourselves? Yeah, you can find us on springandmulberry.com. And you can also find us at lifestyle boutiques and trendy food stores around the country. We're in about 80 stores to date. You can find a list on our website. And if there's a store near you that you would like to bring date sweet and chocolate, let us know and we will 
send them some products. The packaging is beautiful. I have to say, say myself. Wink, wink. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been a joy to talk to you and hear your story because I just come with such authenticity and experience. Thank you so much for being a friend and a client. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for being here for the CoLab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the CoLab and sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecolab.com.